Hello, everybody. Welcome to the House Divided podcast, which is now officially on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. It feels nice. It feels more official now. Uh, Jeremy, how yeah. you doing? Doing good. I I assume that we start getting Apple paychecks pretty soon. I've I've been told that's how <laughs> podcasting works. So uh, pretty cool to be retired, and this is our income now. Yeah, it's awesome. Full-time <laughs> job, whole five hours a week. Including <laughs> vigorous prep that we do. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a uh, it was a fun weekend of football. We'll get into that Michigan, uh, Michigan Penn State game later, but we're gonna lead off with some basketball news. So we had our Michigan State preview last week. If you haven't listened to that yet, go check it out. There's still some good content, but there is an update because it came out the day after Michigan State debuted at number one in the AP poll that. Josh Langford is going to be out until at least January. Uh, so obviously it's going to have a big impact on the team, especially in those early non-conference games against Kentucky and Duke and at the Maui Invitational. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Jeremy? Uh, I think I think the first thought was just uh, with the outpouring of like a lot of national people too, just the, the sadness that it happens to a guy like Josh Langford. Um, mm-hmm. That was kind of my first and foremost thought. I think uh, for me, the way that I viewed it from a basketball perspective was that this team made a Final Four run without Josh Lanford last year. That can sound so cold, uh, but I, I don't think it really changes my outlook on the season too much. Um, I think that the expectations are still high, uh, at least for winning the conference and being a Final Four threat. Uh, maybe you knock them down from the number one peg, which you know a preseason poll is meaningless anyways. Um, yeah, so my first thought was really just sadness over uh, not getting to watch as much John La- Josh Lanford as we wanted uh, this season because he's a really fun player to watch. And just hoping that, you know, this isn't a continuing story that in January they go to reevaluate again and it's like a forced retirement or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, we'd love to see him come back for the stretch run uh, in the conference season and everything. Uh, not all that surprising. I think Brendan Quinn's kind of been hinting all summer that we shouldn't assume he's just going to be there game one. Uh, this was taking longer and longer than they thought. Uh, he just wasn't getting healthy. So uh, hopefully it, this means that he's much closer to 100% in January and uh, they they can survive, you know, the first half of the season without him and, and then make a good push within the conference. Yeah, and I, I'm in a grant. It does really – you got to feel for Josh. And uh, he's always been a really good player. You know, when he comes into school, it's – looking like possibly maybe not a one-and-done, but a two-and-done with how high of a recruit he was rated. And just his injury history has just completely hampered his career. And uh sucks to see him not be able to, especially with such a cool non-conference slate that MSU has. You know he was probably eyeing that and excited to be able to go out after missing that final four run, but he was going to go get to make his mark against Kentucky and Duke. And uh you got to feel for him not being able to do that. Um, so my qu- main question looking at this injury is, uh, who do we see more at the two? Is it going to be more Kyle Arns or more Rocket Watts? Obviously, it's going to be a mixture of both, and we're probably going to start out with more of Kyle Arns because, you know, he's a senior, uh, I believe, in his seventh year at Michigan State. <laughs> but but you got to imagine they're going to try and ease Rocket in fairly quickly, no? Yeah, and to, to be honest, a, a smaller – 
part of that Izzo press conference was that in the secret scrimmage uh, in Denver against Gonzaga that Kyle Arndt has actually sprained his ankle. Um, they said that he's only should be out for a week, so uh, maybe sits for the Albion scrimmage uh, next week, but back for the regular season. But uh, that might make it that there's a little more rocket watch to start uh, than there was probably going to be initially. Um, I would have definitely agree with you that Kyle Arnes was going to get the majority of the minutes, but now with this, you just never know with an ankle. Uh, could be something that it takes a little bit longer for him to be playing, you know, long minutes in a game. Uh, so I think we're going to see more Rocket Watts, uh, but then probably just go with who's performing the best after that. And as usual, Izzo usually has a pretty short leash with his freshmen. So uh, I think Kyle Arnes will be on the floor plenty. Uh, even if Watts is playing well, because one mistake could probably mean he's going to be auto benched. So, yep. uh, yeah, it's it's going to be one of those uh, early season things where he tries to get his message across. So I, I expect to see Kyle Arnes as long as he's healthy uh, for probably the majority of the minutes in the in the non-conference schedule. Um, but but Watts pushing for time. Yeah, and I, I think that's fairly reasonable, and that sounds very Izzo like. So I'm inclined to agree with you. Um, moving into Michigan basketball, we have our season preview of them coming up next week on Michigan State's second bye in three weeks. Uh, but just to get into a couple news that, a couple items of news that just came out last week, Franz Wagner is going to be out until mid to late November with a wrist fracture. Luckily, it was non-surgical for him. Uh, but that's a pretty big bummer for the Michigan fan base and most importantly, Franz, because uh, using those early season games could have been really key for helping him get integrated into the team for somebody who's expected to be an impact freshman. And then Brandon Johns, who's looking to kind of have a breakout sophomore year, also has uh, sprained his ankle. The hope is that he'll be able to play by the first game, but um, obviously whenever a sprained ankle comes into the picture you never really know how quickly it's going to heal or how persistent that or annoying that injury is going to be so hopefully we're going to wish him speedy recovery hopefully no further aggravations Uh, as far as how this impacts Michigan Franz was probably going to come in and be a six-man type uh, in that kind of it's very unfortunate to be missing him but hopefully the schedule lays out where you, the only big game he'll be missing is uh, Creighton, which is in the first couple weeks. Uh, but his time frame for getting back is right around when they're going to be playing uh, down it for the battle for Atlantis, which has some potential big matchups. And then that huge Louisville game. Louisville, who I didn't realize was so highly touted, came in at number three in Ken Palm's projections, the opening rankings in the country. That that's a huge, huge game for Michigan. So hopefully you get Franz Wagner back by then. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, you go ahead. Kind of give me the Michigan perspective. Is Franz expected to be like a one and done guy in basketball, or you think this changes that at all to probably getting two years out of him at Michigan? Uh, uh, kind of the longer term scope on it. it. It's tough, right? With a European player, they don't really get scouted like the American prospects do. Uh, a lot of people say if he would have been playing on the American and or Canadian circuits over the last two, three years, he probably would have been a top 40 recruit type. Um, I think a lot of Michigan folks are expecting him to be a two and done type player. Uh, and obviously this doesn't hurt that projection. 
Uh, I really think he'd have to go off in his first year to be a one and done, which obviously Michigan fans would welcome with open arms. The him going off part, obviously not the leaving early. Because, yeah. Cause yeah. we know how college basketball fans are uh, about that. Um, but yeah. Jordan Poole can tell you everything about that. Oh yeah, man. You know, just not to get too far off topic cause we are on a limited time frame today, but did you see Draymond Green's quote about Jordan Poole? Uh, no, I saw that Jordan Poole had to uh, sing the MSU fight song, but I did not see the quote. Yeah, today, apparently, at the presser, Draymond was talking about how Jordan just does not stop talking in practice, and um, all the other guys get mad, and Draymond was, like, talking about how he just thinks it's so funny because that's exactly how he was as a rookie. And uh, Yeah, they've got a mini Draymond there. It'll be th- – this uh, Draymond Green-Jordan Poole alliance might be my – potential favorite thing in the NBA. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to put it up there with my Jaron Jackson, John Morant love. Yeah. Uh, it might have to be my new th- – those two duos are going to be uh, my reason to watch the NBA this year, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. Except just if Derrick Rose on... makes 50 points a game, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, just to touch on the other piece of Michigan news that broke last week was the commitment of uh, five-star number 12 player in the 2020 class. Isaiah Todd to the basketball program. Um, this really, I believe, signifies a new era. This was the turning point, and this is officially the start of the new era of Michigan basketball because there's no way in hell John Beeline is going after a player like this. And uh, he's going to be, just to give a quick rundown for people who don't know, Isaiah Todd is a 6'10", 205 power forward who is super athletic, scores at all three levels, and is just basically the prototypical NBA prospect. And he is 100% going to be a one-and-done. And it means a lot just for Michigan going forward because this is what Juwan's going to try and do. He's going to try and get the best talent on campus, and he's going to try and win with that talent, even knowing that he's probably only going to get a year max, two years out of them. And it's just we're we're in for a whole new brand of basketball in Ann Arbor. Um, what this means for the rest of the class, uh, they're going to be recruiting five star or four star, forgive me, uh, center Hunter Dickinson. He is uh, he's pretty much down to Michigan, Oregon, and Duke, I think. And his decision, it's looking like, will be made once a different four star center makes his decision. Many people think he's going to Duke, and if uh, he goes to Duke, it's looking likely that uh, Dickinson will come to Michigan. And then they're also looking at guards Moses Moody and Namari Burnett that are also high four-star talents. It's just crazy seeing this type of recruiting in the basketball program for me because I grew up watching the John Beeline teams. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> Certainly a uh, new philosophy in Ann Arbor, that's for sure. Uh, but you'll get that when you get a when you get a program legend coming home to uh, lead the program and and have a youthful look on it. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see um, how quickly fans uh, maybe move on from the stoic love of uh, John Beeline to love and chasing the five stars here. Because as a Michigan State fan, I can tell you it's really fun to chase, but when you don't close, it mm-hmm. really hurts. So yeah, we'll no, have to see be... how, uh, how Michigan deals with maybe some disappointments along the road. But, uh, no, it's, it's really fun to see them uh, more active in the, the high-end uh, prospects. Yeah, 
I, I completely agree. And it'll be a really interesting to see how this unfolds. Really interesting once we get to see him on the court, but we'll get into all of that next week when we uh, preview the season for them. Um, so I guess it's time to get into football. And uh, we were talking before the show about the black pit of negative expectations that I've been in seemingly since the Wisconsin game a full month ago. And it's insane to say that a loss would take me out of that. But here we are. I feel better. Um, the, th- the second half of that game is uh, the best football Michigan has played all year. And I know that the comeback fell short. But, you know, their one catch from one of their most reliable receivers away from tying that game and taking all the momentum into a likely overtime. So it, as much as the loss sucks and it basically takes us out of the Big Ten title conversation, um, unless some crazy scenario unfolds, I, I feel better about this football team. The importance will be building on that success going into this weekend against Notre Dame. Um, from an outsider perspective, just I, from literally the rivals' perspective, how was it watching this game unfold? Because it was a wild one. Yeah, so actually I, I missed the first half. Uh, I had some family come into town, so missed uh, what apparently would have been the bad parts of Michigan. I think I saw like the first two possessions where both teams uh, maybe got a couple first downs, but they were uh, all ended in punts. Um, so, yeah, it sounds like I missed the bad Michigan. But seeing the, uh, you know, the comeback, there was a couple of things that I took away from it. Um, you know, one thing was I definitely the best I've seen Shea Patterson look uh, in a long time. He looked uh, really solid, um, you know, quick in his decision-making, uh, throwing dimes when he had to. He was really uh, probably the best, like I said, I've seen him play uh, in, in a Michigan jersey except maybe the early season games last year, not taking out the Notre Dame game, but kind of like when they would beat up on the poor teams last year. Uh, you know, he had that type of swagger about him last week. Um, and then the other thing as a, from a rival perspective and also watching as someone who <laughs> will now get to play James Franklin in Penn State this week, uh, I, I came out of it to, you know, not taking anything away from Michigan, but also being like, yeah, I'm not really that scared of Penn State if, uh, if James Franklin wants to run the ball in the middle of the line every time on first and second down. I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It, I don't know what it is about James in bigger games against our two programs, but I feel like he coaches not to lose and not to win. Um, He coaches not to lose instead of coaching to win rather, uh, because I just felt like he was trying to trying too early in the game to just salt the game away, Uh, which is really weird. Cause I mean, when you think back to the only win he has over, uh, you know, Harbaugh, it was a blowout where he just stayed on the gas, ran trick plays, you know, just Joe ran Moore. it up. Yeah, it was true. Joe Moorhead was there, and maybe that's the difference now. But, yeah, I just kind of – I didn't come away super impressed with their offense. I did think the Penn State defense was really good. Uh, so I give all credit to Michigan for shredding that defense in the second half because, you know, I was seeing on Twitter and I was totally agreeing with, Basically, after the second Michigan touchdown, I just kind of said, yeah, they're not – that's just not stopping them the rest of this game. So however many series Michigan gets, they're going to score on. So Penn State needs to score more than that. 
Um, and if it wasn't for a unfortunate Ronnie Bell drop, that would have been true. Yeah. Uh, Michigan would have just finished out, you know, it, depending on overtime, you know, or the end of the game, finished out scoring on every drive because uh, they were not to be stopped in the second half. So, yeah, I, I think you give a ton of credit to the Michigan offense. I don't know how to read the Michigan defense just out of, I thought, some scheming that Penn State did played into Michigan's hands a little bit, but they made the plays that they had to make too. So, uh, you know, outside of when they had safeties covering K.J. Hamler, they were a pretty stout defense. Yeah, so let's dive into the defense then. I have some things to say about the offense, but I'd rather talk about the defense right now because outside of literally four plays, it was a suffocating performance on the road in a crazy environment. They were, I believe, uh, the stat was Penn State had 270, 280 yards they finished at and 150 of them came on four plays. And that is just insane, but that's how they've been doing it all year. They they are not that good consistently, but their explosiveness is what has been winning them games. On those other on every other play outside of those four, Penn State averaged 2.2 yards per play, which is just so bad. And uh so so it really sucks. A lot of people on the Michigan side of things are very unhappy with Don Brown. Um, Again, which I'm not sure that's the right place to look at because the, uh, I don't know the, the safety one-on-one with KJ Hamler is not a good look. Um, Albeit that last touchdown, the one that felt like it put the nail in the coffin, even though it really didn't, Outside, because if Ronnie Bell catches that ball, they tie the game. But the one that made it 28-14 where Josh Metellus was one-on-one and just got dusted, uh, that was a blown coverage by the other safety on the field. I believe it was Brad Hawkins. He was supposed to have some yeah, help on that one. And it looked like they kind of didn't get themselves settled pre-snap either. Nope, kind of felt like they – yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked like they didn't really get themselves set, and uh, it didn't seem like it was just an athlete thing. Well, I mean, KJ Hamler as an athlete is going to be Josh Metellus probably the majority of the time, but it wasn't just felt like Josh made a bad play, or, or even that Don wanted Josh on KJ Hamler. It just felt like couldn't get set, uh, and then when they didn't get set, they miscommunicated once the play started, and Penn State purposely got into that play, yeah. um, and it was. It was one of those that even, you know, I am by far not a football expert, but even watching when KJ went into motion and like just the early step back of the Penn State quarterback after they've been running into a line over and over, it kind of felt like, okay, they're going to take one shot here. And then KJ was wide open. So, and it uh, won the game. you know, it, it, it did. It put it away. It literally, it, like you said, not really away, away, but it, it, it became the difference in the game. Yeah. I mean, it felt like it at the time that it put it away. I just kept on saying over and over in that second half, because there was a lot of questionable game management decisions on Michigan's part. The uh, 58 yard field goal punting on the other side of the 50 on your first drive. And then again in the third quarter. And a lot of people are upset about that. And I actually wasn't super upset about either of those things. Um, only because I was sitting there, and I, I really think patience was key because of the way Michigan was consistently moving the ball. Um, and and uh, it just ended I the whole time I was sitting there, if you can get it within one score with about eight to ten minutes left in the game, I feel good about it. And so that's why I wasn't incredibly concerned 
Like, I was incredibly concerned, but I didn't feel like the game was completely over when that touchdown was scored. It just felt like 90% of the way there. And credit to Michigan because – and I guess we can get to some overarching storylines about this Michigan team because the book on them is that once they get down and get their face shoved in the dirt once, they're done. Uh, it, a lot of people think they're just not mentally tough enough, especially in these road environments. And while they couldn't complete it, and Ronnie Bell did drop that ball, I think with these guys, you can kind of shove that narrative. I know they still lost the game, and moral victories are dumb. But they really, the way they fought back, it was the first time I've seen Michigan play a good game against a good team, literally since 2016. They Because... In the last two years, all it's felt like is every time Michigan plays a good team, like last year, they're either blowing them out like they did to Penn State in 2018, or I guess Michigan State wasn't that good last year. And I know they only won that game by two scores, but it was never really that close. Uh, or yeah, it never was. Or they're getting blown out, and like Ohio State or Wisconsin, you know? And it felt like the first time since that 2016 Ohio State game where they actually played a good game that went down to the wire against a pretty good team. So I know moral victories are trash, and I probably sound not like, like a little bit of a loser just going on about this. But it was, it was good to see from a Michigan program that it feels like since the get-go this year has just been grasping for air, or gasping for air, not grasping. Um, and, and, yeah, I think, I oh, think yeah. you're fair to say that, though. I think, I think that's fair as a takeaway. Um, with this Michigan team. Like, I, I think from a program, you can certainly want more. But from under the Harbaugh era, they really haven't rebounded. Uh, you know, we always talk about he was now, what is it, 1 in 10 against top 10 teams and not great on the road. And those things are still true after this game. But it's like you said, it's the, the problem for Michigan isn't that they're losing too much. They're actually performing – pretty well from a win-loss perspective in his tenure. The problem is he's not only not winning the games that he's an underdog in, but he's getting blown off the field. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's totally rational to say, you know, in a vacuum, if we don't look at the past with Harbaugh and we look at just this team uh, and just this season and, and having to get off the mat from that Wisconsin loss and also not a yeah. hugely great effort against Illinois for, for many respects, they did a great job. I mean, they went onto the road in one of the toughest environments that people always talk about with the whiteout and they really were in the game uh, and, and they stayed in the game despite some really bad early adversity. So yeah. uh, I think at least we can put away some of the like, you know, baby boomer uh, favorites to talk about. Like he's not lost the locker room. The team hasn't quit. Mm -hmm. uh, they're playing hard. They love their coach and they're going out there and they put an effort in. Uh, it just, they just didn't make some plays and uh, and got beat by a team with some explosive athletes. Yeah, and and that's where I'm at too. I mean, this team was down 21 to zero in a whiteout at night. I I had no even thought of coming back and winning that game. Like I I was completely out on this team at that point and thought we were in for another Wisconsin game where it would finish like 35-14, and it was never close at all. And they, they battled back, and good for them. And just to kind of touch on this last thing, uh, the, the off, Josh Gaddis, 
this felt like the Josh Gaddis coming out party in the second half because it looked like he had finally figured out how to call a drive. Like, and I know that sounds ridiculous, but it really felt like it was for the first time they were putting speed in space. And I know that hashtag has been brought (laughs) – it, no, I know, and I know that hashtag. No, no, it's in broad excitement. But it's fair, fans. And then the first half of the year, it's brought brought hilarity to Ohio State and Michigan State fans. But they were well, finally and, and using the ball screens. They were finally putting yep. DJ in opportunities to succeed, Ronnie Bell in opportunities to succeed, and they were moving the ball. And I really didn't want to get down the officiating rabbit hole, but there was definitely pass interfere, offensive pass interference on that first Penn State touchdown, and Michigan did play well enough to win this game I think um I I don't know man it there was some questionable officiating and it'll go down as a loss but this second half felt like a turning point for this Michigan team and kind of transition whether or not it's actually a turning point depends on how they play against Notre Dame on Saturday I just say we're gonna find out pretty quick I think if uh you know like we talked about just now they got off the mat they showed fight both within this game and within the season, but now can they do it again? Because yep. uh, they don't really get a break here like they did after Wisconsin where Rutgers comes in and you get a chance just to, you know, move on. Uh, they better take Notre Dame serious. Um, I haven't been honestly that impressed with Notre Dame when I have had a chance to see them, but that doesn't mean that they're not capable of coming in and winning either. So, oh, yeah, uh, so from a – yeah, so from a Michigan fan perspective, what are you, where are you at with uh, looking from uh, for this week ahead? You know what's crazy is I'm happy they don't get a break, and that may that statement may come back to bite me in the butt if Notre Dame <laughs> does or blows us out. But I don't really care because if they were playing Maryland or Rutgers or, you know, or some bottom feeder of the Big Ten the week after the Penn State game, we would have no clue if that second half was actually a turning. We would have no idea right. it, because Michigan got blown out by Wisconsin and came back and beat Rutgers like 52 to zero. And it wasn't actually a turning point, you know? So yeah. I'm glad we get to see him against a top 10 opponent at home. And I, I agree with you. Notre Dame has not looked that impressive. The whole thing with Notre Dame and Georgia is they played that really good game down in Athens. But I feel like we don't know if either of them are actually that good because the only good team either of them has played is each other. Uh, so I think we'll, we're going to find out a lot about Notre Dame as well as Michigan on Saturday night. And I'm really looking to see if Josh Gaddis can continue what he had going in the second half against Penn State straight into this game. Um, and in the defense as well. You know, I think Notre Dame's going to be a similar team. I don't think they're going to be able to consistently move the ball on you. It's just going to be the question of how many big plays can you limit them to because Ian Book has a lot of arm talent. Um, They have a couple talented wide receivers. They have a pretty good running back core. Uh, How many big plays are they going to get? And I think that really is going to help determine this game, how it goes. Yeah, it seems like – one that, you know, especially with you playing them last year too, it's going to be one that's hard from a scheme standpoint uh, on a one-week rest to, you know, get ready for the opponent. Uh, seems you guys should have a chance to, uh, I mean, looking at like, you know, where the Vegas line started and also like the SP plus 
kind of prediction of the game. It basically looks like because of home field advantage, it uh, favors Michigan, you know, about that three and a half to four point range. I think that seems appropriate. I think, uh, you know, coming off of a very close loss to Penn State, uh, you know, the crowd should be rocking. It could be, you know, outside of the Ohio State game and Michigan State game, which, I mean, Michigan State game, they don't look that good of a team. And Ohio State, you probably don't feel confident. This could be the big home win of the season, right? So, it could be. Yeah, uh, could at be. night, get to avenge a pretty pretty ugly loss last season just from the fact that it was a really lifeless game, uh, an early season kind of swap fest, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that, you know, and I look for, like, guys like Ronnie Bell. Like, did he bounce back this week? Do they make a point of going to him early? Um, you know, there, there's a lot of good good vibes, I feel like, as a Michigan fan could be going into this week with. Yeah, I'm honestly just really excited for 7.30 on Saturday night because I'm really excited to see how this team responds. I expect the big house to be rocking. Um, I expect the big house, more importantly, one, I'm really hoping once Ronnie Bell gets that first catch, we get a standing ovation to kind of show some support for the the poor kid who, you know, he feels yeah. like he lost. He did not lose them that game early. Them no. coming, them not coming in prepared and playing an awful first quarter is what lost them the game. But you know well, that even, Ronnie feels like he did. Oh, and even more than that, uh, you know, I was like on the drive where he drops the ball. I basically in my draft of my Twitter <laughs> had already typed up the like Ronnie Bell won them this game. He was having. A great Such a good third and fourth quarter. He was, again, and this is like the third or fourth time this season that I've watched, and I've been like, I know Nico Collins is good, and I know DPJ is good. Ronnie Bell might be the best receiver on Michigan. He impresses me every week. So, so I, you know, they're not even in the conversation for Ronnie Bell to have the unfortunate drop at the end of the game if it isn't for all the work Ronnie Bell did earlier in the game. So yep. I agree with you. I hope he gets a ton of support. Um, you know, and get some plays called to get him some confidence early in the game. I'm sure he's a confident kid. I'm sure he doesn't need a, a handout like that or anything, but it'd be good to just see him get a little uh, get a little bit of work early to, to shake off that bad feeling from last week. Yep. And uh, I guess we'll, we'll wrap up this talk, and I'll get into official predictions and all that once we get to our against the spread game. But um, uh, my key stat for this one for Michigan – is I, I I think you got to score at least four touchdowns. Um, you can't get into the red zone and settle. You, I, I really think you're going to need points because it's a it's a potent Notre Dame D, uh, offense. They're not super talented, but they're going to go get some points and I think get some big plays. So I think if Michigan can score four touchdowns, they'll probably win the game. Um, but, you know, we'll see. And uh, that brings us – into Michigan State versus Penn State. Michigan State coming off of a bye. Uh, Penn State obviously coming off that big home win against Michigan. Uh, my first question for you is, how does Michigan State stop KJ Hamler? <laughs> uh, we continue to do the rain dance and have it be really <laughs> sloppy. Uh, that is now my just – that's just my reasoning for any <laughs> – any game, we just need to have crappy weather. Um, no, that I think it's really hard. I don't think, you know, especially you would assume preseason, and I would still assume, you know, they're going to try and probably have Josiah Scott on KJ as much as possible. And 
Josiah's had kind of a tough year, but I think a lot of it has been he's had some really tall receivers that he's gone against, so that shouldn't be as big of a concern against KJ. Uh, but no, he's going to be he's going to be a problem. Um, you know, you the only way to probably really hold him down is just trying. If Penn State is going to run the ball on first or second down, you know, get stops. Don't give them the opportunity to have a a bevy of routes and things like that, and just get pressure on Clifford. I don't know. If I really think that I came away from the game last week thinking that Penn State's great at the quarterback position, I just think that he knows how to get the ball to his his talented receiver. Uh, so, you know, whatever it takes to to get pressure uh, might mean a little bit heavy blitzing, which can be dangerous with uh, a great receiver like that. But I think it's going to have to come down to more of the pressure up front because I just don't think you're going to hold KJ down all game. He's going to make his plays. You just have to minimize how many of those he gets. Yeah, and, um, uh, yeah. Th- th- that's definitely the key. And is this a three thirty game? It is. It's a three thirty <laughs> game. Uh, do you want to know? know the, so it'll be perfect. Do you want to know the weather uh, forecast? Oh, please give it to me. Fifty three degrees, some sunshine, Beautiful. giving way to clouds with periods of rain late in the afternoon. Perfect. Oh, perfect. Man. I, I got to tell you, with that weather forecast and um, just the way this sets up for Michigan State, they're coming off of, you know, it's against James Franklin. They're coming yep. off of a bye week. Who just, just like Harbaugh really, is actually. This feels like the one of the year. You know, you know the it one. It does. <laughs> yeah, and, and, it feel, and to be honest, preseason, that was what I said too. And then as the season got going, it was like, well, maybe we match up with Wisconsin stylistically better. So maybe Wisconsin's the one, uh, you know, but yeah, this, this has always felt preseason and, and just like Harbaugh with James Franklin before last week, Franklin is also just one in four against Antonio. So mm-hmm. he struggles against both programs. And again, unlike maybe under Harbaugh, uh, those of these teams have not all been very good <laughs> that James Franklin has lost to. Uh, I think, you know, last year winning on the late play with Felton Davis was probably unexpected. Uh, the year before was that really weird game with like the two or three hour thunderstorm okay. delay in the middle of it. Uh, so we've just played some weird games against Penn State, but uh, and then we have each blown each other out once since Franklin uh, has been at Penn State. So I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a close game, and that's something where late in the game, if the weather's not great and Penn State's down six points, they maybe can't put that drive together. Uh, to you know, pull it off or something like that. It's going to be one of those. It's going to be one of those games, <laughs> uh, and it really sets up perfect, like you said, Ramos. You not only are you coming off a of bye week, you're going into another bye week. Mm-hmm. So you don't even have the thing where okay, we we're coming off a of bye. We have Penn State this week, but oh wait, the big game with Michigan's next week. So we're kind of flat, sort of looking ahead, even though you try not to. No, this is one game for three weeks so you can put everything you want to in this week come in tuesday you don't even have a game the next saturday to prepare for you get extra time to prepare for november so Mm -hmm. with that in mind i feel like uh you know there was a lot of good kind of vibes with the week off after those two ugly losses of the coaches hitting the recruiting trail hard which i think is a good sign to see from a perspective of it's not going to help them beat penn state saturday but it shows that they're maybe not as checked out as everyone thinks. Um, and on top of that, I'm just hoping that Brad Salem with some extra time off and some more time 
uh, was able to maybe just install a couple more uh, sets or plays for this stretch run here. Because if they want to, they have the ability to beat Penn State and they've proven it under D'Antonio. So Mm -hmm. uh, this might be the game of the season outside of the Michigan game, which is always number one probably for a lot of MSU fans and and certainly is for D'Antonio. This is going to be the game now that Ohio State and Wisconsin are in the rear view. This has to be the game outside of the Michigan game, which uh, depending on how you guys do Saturday, it's not going to have the same luster that it would have in a normal season as well. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And then just to add to all those points, you add in the desperation of, you know, if you lose this game, you're sitting at four and four, you're sitting at 500. And um, yep. with, with Michigan still on the schedule at the big house. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's going to be interesting how it plays out because, you know, as much as, Penn State's defense didn't look all that great in the second half. They still are just unbelievable against the run. It is so hard to get that yardage against them. Yep. With Michigan State's struggling run game, do you even try and get that going, or do you just give the ball to Lewerke and say, here, go go have some fun. Go spin it. Uh, so I think you need to give your defense a rest. So what I would do, though, and what I would like to see them do, is to get more creative with the run game. Um, whether that's more speed options or option plays with Lewerke or the vaunted jet sweeps come back, uh, you know, anything to keep the clock running a little bit so you don't have incompletions that are stopping the clock. Because that's the, the issue when you just let Lewerke go win the game is even when Lewerke is playing well, that completion percentage is going to hover to 55 to 60%. So that's going to be a lot of clock stoppage um, and a lot of just choppiness in the game. So you still need to run the ball and try and get something going there. Um, but hopefully it's with a little more creativity than just zone off, tackle, zone, you know, left, right. Yeah. Just uh, something with a little bit more uh, creativity shown. When you've had a bye week, you can try some things, uh, work through some things. Uh, one big thing, too, is AJR Curry, who has been out uh, from the offensive line, is at least on the depth chart. He was listed as a backup, but – uh, the possibility that by game time, maybe he can help settle the line down and get guys back into their natural positions instead of playing out of position. Uh, that might be a sliver of hope, but you know, yeah, you're right. We're, we're not going to win the game on the ground. Uh, it's going to have to be uh, with Lewerke in the defense, but I think that you need to try and run the ball because we're yeah. just not, the defense has just been wore out the last two weeks, even with this bye week that you, if we're putting the defense out there for 35 or 40 minutes, that's a problem. Uh, we're not, we're not going to be able to do what Penn State did to Michigan. We're losing the battle by 150 yards, but scoring on big explosive plays. That's just not going to happen. So you need to, you need to try to run, but it, it's not going to probably be super successful. No, I, honestly, if I'm looking at this matchup, I do love the ideas that you're bringing to the table with the running game, trying to do some out-of-character stuff for this offense you might end up with success. Um, the way I'm looking at this game, I think we're probably going to see probably two pretty low yardage totals and yeah. still potentially two scores over 20 points with the way I think MSU's defense can force turnovers and the way Penn State's offense just operates off of big plays. Um, so I'll bring that to our uh, the, the last part of our discussion on our previews. Um, what's your key stat for Michigan State to pull off the upset? on Saturday? Oh, key stat. I think, you know what, it, it's going to come down to 
Uh, I'm actually going to give you two. I'll give you a bonus one since we're coming off a bye. Uh, they need to score a touchdown in the first quarter. They need okay. to. You're coming off of getting shut out. You need to feel good. Uh, it doesn't have to necessarily be the first drive or anything like that, but you need to get out of the first quarter with points, and it's not a field goal. Uh, yeah. And it doesn't matter. It could be a defensive touchdown, offensive touchdown, special teams. I don't care how they get it, but they need to have some a touchdown on the board. Uh, that's one. And then I think from a more big perspective of the whole game, they need to be plus two in the turnover battle. Um, they're going to have to have some drives end where I don't think they're going to force Penn State too many times to be out of scoring range, whether it's field goal or touchdown drives. Uh, so with only just a few punts in there, they're going to need to have, you know, taken away some Penn State chances via turnover. Uh, and then they also themselves are going to have to keep it pretty low. So plus two in the turnover, get a touchdown in the first quarter. Uh, if those things happen, I think that minimum they are in the game in the fourth quarter where at that point you just – if I have one matchup that I know I feel more confident in MSU right now despite his mistakes this year, late game, cock management, coaching decisions, I'll go with D'Antonio over Franklin every Absolutely. time. Um, despite his Arizona State game and a lot of the issues that took away with that, I still think he's better than James Franklin in those scenarios. Uh, so if we get to the fourth quarter, that's about all we can probably ask at this point when you're coming off of two blowout losses. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm in a grant city there. Uh, so with that, we'll get into our big 10 picking against the spread. Uh, congratulations to Jeremy on his first win of the year. Um, <laughs> it literally came down to just <laughs> me not trusting my own team, but you know, good. This is good. Um, so I'm actually super excited for this Saturday. There is just a ridiculous amount of solid college football or big 10 football because the noon slot we get Wisconsin, Ohio state, which I think it's a big 10 matchup of the year, despite what hilarious things unfolded in Champaign, Illinois last (laughs) Saturday at three 30, we get Penn state, Michigan state. And then in the night slot, Michigan, Notre Dame, I really wish the day to just sit there in front of my tv unfortunately i have some family commitments but i shall still be able to watch the michigan game in fall but um it's gonna be an awesome day so we'll lead off with wisconsin at ohio state ohio state is a 14 point favorite two touchdowns uh they are at home in this game and wisconsin is coming off of the loss to illinois the hilarious loss to illinois good for brandon peters by the way um yeah uh, but I'm going to take – I'll lead us off, and I'm taking Wisconsin plus 14 here. I, I think this is an overreaction line to uh, what happened on Saturday. I know Ohio State's coming off of a bye. But uh, let's look at the positive. Wisconsin lost to Illinois because they were looking ahead to Ohio State. But Their coaches certainly were because they coached scared. But they were Illinois. looking ahead to Ohio State. This is the game oh, yeah. they were looking ahead to. So I'm going to – if we're if – I don't think they win the game, but if we're giving them 14 points, I think they'll cover. Yeah, I, I, I'm taking Wisconsin too, uh, both in our game here and also in real life on this side. Uh, when I saw 14, I just thought that is too much of a market overcorrection. Um, you know, I, I still think Ohio State – I would take Ohio State straight up, but that Wisconsin game – you know, they have every chance to make that the game where it's too close, but you get out with the win and your team wakes up from it. 
mm-hmm. and they actually got a loss out of it. So they might even be more awake. Um, yeah. But yeah, the coaching staff just kicking short field goals when you have Jonathan freaking Taylor against Illinois throwing the ball on third and five instead of melting some more clock, you know, and Illinois gets a short field to drive. Way too many mistakes on the coaching staff. Uh, but I think they'll get that corrected for this week. This has been the game, like you said, they've been looking forward to uh, possibly the first time playing them. And now they need this to, with Minnesota winning, they need this game more than they thought they did, uh, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. to possibly be able to set up a rematch in the Big Ten championship game. So, uh, you know, that loss really, that loss in a combination with Minnesota means that I think you're going to get the best game Wisconsin plays all year. And we've seen, both of us have lived through the horrors of some good Wisconsin games this year. So uh, 14 is just way too many points. They slow the game down, keep it close, uh, and, and they definitely don't get blown out. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in, I agree with you completely. I think it's going to be going to be an excellent game. Um, brings us to another Big Ten West-type substance. Uh, this game is going to be awful, and anybody that watches it absolutely hates themselves. Iowa at Northwestern. Iowa's a ten and a half point favorite. Uh, both on a thirty-seven and a half over under, ooh, they're a ten ooh. point favorite. That just tells you how ugly this is. This is going to be horrible. Uh, Jerry, who do you have against? Uh, Northwestern's bad. I I'm going to take Iowa. I know Iowa has had some struggles offensively. Uh, they haven't, you know, even despite having Nate Stanley, have not really looked as good against good teams. Um, but Good thing that I don't think Northwestern is a good team. Uh, Again, Michigan State put 31 on Northwestern. 31 at Northwestern. I think Iowa uh, can put put enough points in and and then hold Northwestern out of scoring uh, enough to cover the spread. So while you're correct, MSU did put 31 on Northwestern's head. Um, I'll take Brian Lewerke over Nate Stanley every day of the week, and I know NFL (laughs) analysts – may not like that but um you know I I really just think Brian Lewerke on his best day and he had a pretty damn good day against Northwestern uh versus Nate Stanley I I don't I like Lewerke a lot better Northwestern's defense I think is going to keep them in this I think this is going to be a probably some type of nine to six type game I I think Iowa's going to get out of there with a victory but it's going to be a super gross and I don't think they can cover a 10 and a half point spread so I'll take uh, I'll take Northwestern. That sentence didn't feel right to say, but moving on. <laughs> Illinois. Well, so what would you do with that over under though? That's what oh, the people oh, want to know. Under, absolutely. Every day of the week. Oh, world. see, I took the over because I feel like again, MSU put thirty-one on them. Let's. I want Iowa to get as close to that thirty-seven because I can't count on Northwestern for any more than like six. So. Yeah, I made a bad bet. I took the over. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we are into Illinois at Purdue. My word. these are the, You know, I highlighted the big games, and those are going to be really fun. Jeez. <laughs> I think one, it really shows you just how bad the bottom of the, bottom of the Big Ten can be <laughs> when you have all the good teams playing each other. It really bottoms out on you fast. Yeah, the next game is going to be worse, but Illinois at Purdue. Purdue is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite against an Illinois team coming off probably the biggest win in program in their program since 2007. Um, Purdue's a nine-and-a-half-point favorite at home, and I'm taking them to cover. I think this is primed to be like the classic letdown right after the big win for Illinois. And Purdue looked really good a couple weeks ago against Maryland. Um, I think they'll cover a nine-and-a-half-point spread. 
See, I don't know. I've, I'm, I'm going to go with Illinois. Uh, it's not just the beating Wisconsin. It's putting that in together with the 25 straight against Michigan. I think their offense has enough to stay within striking range all game um, to where they maybe lose this by six to seven points. Well, I guess there's nothing in between, so six or seven points. Uh, but, yeah, I think they, they play close enough that, you know, to, to stay there. Um, Purdue, I just can't figure out. Uh, every week that I think they're uh, going to just have – they're just going to finally just give up on the season due to all their injuries. They play their best game. So I could be totally off on this. They could blow Illinois out. They have the talent to do it. Uh, but I'll, I'll take Illinois to keep it ugly and close. Okay. And uh, now on to the worst game that we are going to cover all year. Uh, Liberty University at Rutgers. Liberty is Ugh. a seven-point favorite on the road. Um, Kick Rutgers out of the league for that alone. Yeah, um, so it's your turn to go first. You have Rutgers covering the seven-point uh, spread at home as an underdog. I I want to. I really do because I just look at it and I go, they have to have one dead cat bounce game playing for Ninjio, right? Like, yeah. he he has to get them to play a game. Just one. Just one the rest of the season. Uh, but I – I'm going to take Liberty, as oh. crazy as it is. Boo. Seven and a half points. That's I know. That is just – I know. Yeah. I know. But but it is more me wanting to make sure that we keep adequate hate at Rutgers being in the league, that I will not even take their side when they're this despondent and they just quit. Uh, maybe Greg Schiano will show up, and that will be, like, fun for the 70-year-old New Jersey people to really get excited about. But – uh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to take liberty here. Okay, yeah, I'm taking Rutgers out of pure, like I will never side with that institution ever in my life for anything, even as trivial as picking them to cover a spread against Rutgers. Uh, so this might bite me in the butt, but I'm taking Rutgers just because I hate Liberty so much. Um, I can I can feel you without the uh, the trust there. Yeah, so do it for your principles. Time to get into something actually fun. Uh, Penn State at Michigan State. Penn State, six-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Uh, I'm going to speed this up a little bit. I'm taking Michigan State. Uh, I really think with all the factors we talked about coming off the bye week, James Franklin, um, (laughs) Michigan State in desperation mode not to fall to 500. Uh, I really think that they're going to cover the spread. And going into this, before I looked at the weather forecast, I said cover the spread and lose by a couple <laughs> points. But I think Michigan State's winning this game. So there's oh, my wow. pick. Uh, what do you got? Uh, so despite all my optimism, I'm just KJ Hamler scares me too much. Um, you know, I think I think uh, Michigan State does much better than they did against Ohio State. They do much better than they did against Wisconsin. But it's just one where you know a ten. 10-point loss or so, so I'm going to take Penn State. Holy crap. We have we have disagreed on four picks so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is our most uh, all-over-the-point week, yeah. I think. Yeah. So next we got Maryland at Minnesota. Minnesota is a 16-and-a-half-point favorite at home. I'm taking the gold golfers. Wow. Uh, just because oh, Maryland, I thought so maybe it was a home-and-road situation, but then Indiana came into Maryland and won by, like, nine yeah. points. 
Um, so I think they're just a bad team, plus they're on the road. I'm taking Minnesota, uh, which is crazy to me that I'm taking them to cover a 16.5 point spread. But here we are. Yeah, Minnesota just went on the road and covered against Rutgers easily. Uh, I think they're going to cover against Maryland pretty easily. They're just going to run the ball until Maryland stops them, and Maryland will never stop them. So, uh, yeah, I think I'll, I'll take uh, P.J. Fleck, and, and Minnesota's going to be 8-0 and at the end of October, which is just – Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. We could have to watch Ohio State play P.J. Fleck in the Big Ten Championship. No, here's where my – this is my irrational dream for this season is Minnesota going to the Big Ten Championship and hopefully we get some fuckery with uh, Ohio State maybe losing to Wisconsin and then dropping one to Penn State. Or no, dropping one to us, but they beat Penn State. Somehow Michigan gets a three-way tiebreaker and ends up in the Big Ten Championship. Do they play for the Little Brown Jug still? I don't know. But that, that's my dream. To. Yeah, you get two trophies if you win. How crazy would it be? Um, It'd be awesome. Bring us into the next one, Indiana at Nebraska. Um, Indiana is a one-point favorite on the road in Scott Frost's second year. What is going on? Um, who you got? This one's like might be the easiest pick all week. I'm taking Indiana. I really like what Tom Allen's doing this year. I know they had some struggles early in the season, but that was the couple games where they were back to Peyton Ramsey time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Michael Penix is the real deal. I think he's really good, and they've really gotten into a groove. They had a slow start against Maryland last week, but, you know, they showed that they can go on the road and win a game that they should win if they're as good as they think they are. Nine-win Deanna is a thing, (laughs) and uh, I'm going to keep riding with it, and I'm going to say that they go in and beat Nebraska – Nothing about Nebraska makes me think that that program is set up for a good season to to even win games that they should. So uh, I'll take uh, I'll take the Hoosiers. I completely agree with you. I took Indiana, and I I did think I was going to be alone in this one. So this is fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Indiana just for some reason Michael Penix is the truth, and I don't think Adrian Martinez is supposed to be back this week. I could be wrong, so don't quote me on that. But um. Yeah, I, I'm taking Indiana to cover a one-point spread. And um, so as you talked about, what brings us into the last game, the night, the nightcap with Michigan and Notre Dame. We talked about Michigan being a four-point favorite when this opened. It's been bet all the way down to a pick em. Um, So that's what we're going to do because that was the last line I checked. ESPN had it as a pick em. And um, I'm taking Michigan to win this game. And that feels wrong to say after the year that we've had and the fact that a week ago I was just completely miserable. But (laughs) Michigan, and I know that, you know, we probably have a lot of Michigan State people listening to this that are going to laugh at this next next statement because you're 2-0 in the big house against Harbaugh. But Michigan under Jim Harbaugh is extremely hard to beat at home. They've only lost four games. That we're in year five, and they have only lost four games at home. And specifically, for the last year and a half, they have not been beaten at home. And I think that continues. I think Notre Dame's a good team. And even though it's in late October and it feels wrong that Michigan and Notre Dame are playing so late in the year, I think we're in for a classic Michigan-Notre Dame, just stupid, crazy game. Um, and I think Michigan's offense – is going to keep it going, and I do think that it was a turning point last week in the second half against Penn State. I'm going to take Michigan by four to seven points. I agree. I'm going to ride with the home team here. Uh, Notre Dame, 
not super impressive. I've only really, even in that Georgia game, I came away thinking, especially now knowing what we know about Georgia, is Georgia even that good? Um, the you know for the for how they've played uh, the last few weeks. So I uh, I'm gonna ride with Michigan. I think they have no trouble getting enough points against Notre Dame, and I just don't think Ian Book. Uh, I think you can get to Ian Book with a Don Brown defense. Um, I think so. Too. So I think. Uh, I think I think actually honestly like this is one that Michigan pulls away 10, 14 points. Uh, I really like how they looked in that second half. Maybe it helps that I didn't see the first half. I could maybe be a little less uh, uh, enthused with where they're at. But um, no, I I think this is one that you guys win, and I think that Harbaugh puts a lot into this game and and gets a big win. He needs a big win, and I think this is the one that he's going to get. Yeah, and I think it would be huge for Michigan. And, you know, I was going to mention it during the Penn State portion, but I just didn't get to it. Um, I think Michigan, the way they looked in the second half, um, this may be a bit premature to be even saying this, but I think that team that played in the second half has full potential to go be 9-2 and two heading into the Ohio State game. And I'm not saying that's the expectation, but, um, well, I think if they win against Notre Dame, it certainly is the expectation to be 9-2 and two heading into that last week of the year. And uh, I think it's certainly attainable with the way that offense looked in the second half in a tough environment. Uh, so, yeah, I got Michigan yeah. winning, and it should be a really fun day of college football on Saturday. Um, so, with that, we're going to get into a quick hockey segment at the end. I'll lead with MSU just in case you have to go. Um, so, they played the U18s. The, the, for those who don't know, the uh, U.S. National Development Team the under 18s, they go around and they play a bunch of college teams and exhibitions to get these kids ready to either go to wherever they're going. Uh, Michigan State earned a 2-1 victory over them. Um, and then they also play Colorado College in a series on the road this weekend. Give me any of your thoughts on any of these things. Yeah, so Colorado College also has only played two regular season games uh, two weeks ago, just like Michigan State. So uh, they also didn't have a scrimmage or an exhibition in between, so they could be a little rusty. Um, first weekend of the year, though, they did split with Minnesota, uh, winning 3-2 and losing 4-3 on back-to-back nights. So it feels like a split type of weekend. Uh, if Michigan State can play uh, like they did the Friday at Northern Michigan, where they were really, really good, um, had a great game up there. Uh, as far as the game against the U18s, didn't have a chance to, to watch. It was nice to see that Patrick Kodorenko scored uh, a goal um, as the first line really didn't do didn't get a goal up at Northern. Uh, so good to see that happen. And uh, I was you know I scored late to win the game, but I usually try not to take too much out of it. I think especially when you play the USA team this early in the season, Denton Cole was probably doing some weird things with his lines and rolling some different things. Uh, just to get some things worked out still. Because hockey, unlike football, you really go from like a week of practice into your season. They make them start really late <laughs> as far as the coach's time with the players. So at this point, it's a, it's still really, really early uh, in the season for, for MSU. So a split would be really good uh, against Colorado College. I think they're going to be a pretty good team in NCHC, uh, especially when you go on the road. Uh, it would be nice to come home at like 2-2 two and two versus a 1-3 and three record next week. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think so, and uh, should be an interesting series for sure. And then just to quickly go over what happened with Michigan, they played a series at home against Lake Superior State. 
Um, I was there Friday. I promise I'm going to tell you the story uh, on this show next week when we have more time because the dudes I was sitting in front of were absolutely like the worst people I have ever met at a hockey game. Um, but just to, the takeaways there, Jack Becker had a great series, three goals over two games. Almost all of the scoring in a 4-0 win and a 4-3 win came from our depth lines, which is big. That's what we wanted going into the year. And then it looks like Michigan has a pretty high-quality starting goalie. Straussman was excellent again this weekend, pitching that shutout on Friday. Um, so, yeah, really, really good weekend for Michigan, getting that sweep at home. Uh, this weekend, a series against Western Michigan. The Friday night game is at Yost at home. The Saturday night game is over uh, on the other side of the state in Kalamazoo. This Western Michigan team is very solid. They tied OS, They tied Ohio State. For some reason, they played three games against Bowling Green. They went one and two of those games that lost. One of the two losses was in overtime, so very even with a pretty good Bowling Green team. Um, hopefully, Cam York is back. Uh, split would be fine this weekend, but – in terms of the pairwise come the end of the year, I think a road win on that Saturday night game would be pretty big. Um, and that's about it for Michigan hockey. Uh, yeah, yeah. Lawson's a tough place to play, so you really want to get out Friday night, get the win. You don't want to have to go into Lawson trying to avoid a sweep, uh, especially when Michigan or Michigan State comes into that arena. They, you know, the students uh, are the main section there, and they really look forward to a Michigan or Michigan State matchup. So. Uh, big, big for them to get out Friday, um, you know, get a win, uh, get feeling good and not need that win on Saturday. And you are correct. Like at the end of the year, pairwise, having a road win over Western could be very, very helpful coming to the tournament time. Yep. And uh, that's all we got this week, folks. We hammer out a lot of stuff in this hour. So I'm really happy about that. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud, the House Divided Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at, uh, at Podcast Divided. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Brendan4, the number four, AFC. And what's your handle, Jeremy? Uh, so the Twitter account that you can find me at, as I have to pull it up because I always am uh, messing it up and doing it in reverse order. Uh, so I'm at JD, D as in David, uh, underscore Jerbear, and that is J-E-R-B-E-A-R. So, uh, you know, find us on Twitter. We're uh, pretty active there. Uh, I'll be active for the next hour and a half over some Wolves soccer. So yes. <laughs> but it's a, this episode will go up after that. So hopefully uh, you can come catch up on a, a good result for my boys uh, playing in front of only children, Brendan. We're playing a game in front of 14,000 kids today. I don't know if you knew what? that. So they're playing in the, the – sorry, folks, if you're not soccer, you might as well turn the episode off. But, uh, no, Wolves is playing in the Europa League. Uh, they're playing Sloven something, uh, whatever, Sloven something. Yeah. Uh, and they are in Slovenia, I believe is where this team is. Uh they got in trouble with UEFA for the racism chance, basically. Uh, so this was supposed to be an empty stadium game. And somehow they got it agreed on that they could have 14 and under in the game. So it's all that children. Is, and dude, like I 200 Wolves fans. I absolutely <laughs> love the Europa League. The stories that come out. Everton made it a few years ago, and it's just ridiculous. The whole thing is awesome. Uh, the, these like small countries you get to go into, but yeah, 
Um, hopefully, the Wolves win because I always root for uh, the underdog English team, especially when they make it to Europe. Um, yeah. And uh, hopefully, we both get some good results. I, I'm rooting for Michigan State against Penn State this Saturday, and uh, I want this Michigan-Michigan State game to be as high stakes as possible uh, come a couple weeks. Uh, but thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, like I said, catch us on all those platforms. We're finally official. And we will be back next week with recaps of those big games and the Michigan basketball preview. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See you, folks.